Lisa, what are you rebelling against? What do you got? Welcome to the Star Wars Rebels Without a Cause podcast. I'm your host, Kendall Hallman. All that remains of the ancient religion known as the EU purists is my friend, Nick Jew. And uh, the guy that didn't understand that reference, Dwight Snyder. Good day. All right, so today we're talking about uh, the, uh, the, this, uh, the s- series premiere of Star Wars Rebels, um, in which uh, we see R2-D2 and C-3PO. Um, and they are the teams stealing some guns from bad guys and stuff like that happens, you know. So it was that episode. Uh, first reaction, Nick. It was interesting to get a little more backstory on Zeb, and as he's my favorite character, I'm always for that. I was a little surprised to see C-3PO and R2-D2 so early in the series, though. Yeah, yeah. I like how Ezra kept bringing up that he wants to, he really wants to be a Jedi. So we actually see that, and he's, you know, mentioning it throughout the episode, and then he's actually realizing that they are just like him because they steal for a living as well. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, yeah, he's he does he had that that one line where he's like, you know, so far all I've done is stole stole some stuff, you know, been stealing stuff. I knew how to do that already. Yeah, I kind of liked that. Um, we were talking. Uh, the look of the episode feels a little more Macquarie-ish. The, uh, the guy that did lots of the early concept art for Star Wars and stuff. Uh, which is kind of kind of neat. Uh, it, it most notably we noticed. I noticed the uh, when they go to the back of the ship, uh, there was an, a, a droid that looked very much like an an early C three PO drawing that I had a trading card of when I was a kid. So it was kind of cool, right? And I think the establishing shot on the planet where they landed also had a very Macquarie-ish feel. Kind of reminded me of the early. Drawings of Tatooine. Right, right. Yeah. Because it reminded me of Masai with the um, big dome in the center. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, so I, when I first heard that R2-D2 and C-3PO were going to be guesting in this uh, episode, I was like, Ugh. I I didn't want to, like like Nick said, I, I didn't I didn't want to see them this early. Uh it's just, I, I would have. Re- I wanted to see the development of the characters. That said, I thought it was executed very well. Uh, you've got you. It was a very classic. R two D two's on his own mission, and C three PO seems to have no idea what's going on. He's missing a leg. Yeah, yeah. C three PO has a stormtrooper leg. Well, ho- hopefully, we'll find out what happened. Maybe some story that develops at all, but. Mm-hmm. I like how it was played out, and it kind of answered a couple of questions that I had based on from episode three to episode four of what kind of happened with them a little bit. Well, he's he's uh, they they definitely made con they made and they made contact spoilers. Assu- uh, you know, we're talking about this episode. It's a twenty-two minute episode. Go watch it. <laughs> if you're listening to the <laughs> review of it, I don't know why you wouldn't have seen it, but the. the 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 biggest question I think that was answered was how these guys get in contact with Bail Organa, who obviously um, 
is the beginnings of uh, the of rebel rebellion and stuff. So I was I was very glad that at least I mean it was it it's early. You know they're not wasting any time. So right, they're really getting down to main plot. There's no filler episodes early on, which I, you'd expect there to be at least a couple. Right. Just to, to break in the characters a little bit more, but they dove right in here. Yeah, which, which is, I think is a good thing. I think it'll keep people interested and hopefully keep the show from getting canceled. Right. And I had heard, well, I listened to a po- another podcast uh, that I will, I will not um, mention the name of, but basically the guy, there was, they were doing a review and one of the, one of the people on the podcast had seen Spark of Rebellion and seen this episode because this episode was available for free on iTunes. And he basically summarized Spark of Rebellion entirely inaccurately. <laughs> like he he was saying – there were a bunch of stuff that – I can't remember specific examples. But he was just like – clearly he didn't understand what was happening in the episode you know, because he must have only been half paying attention or something. And then he, he actually said that – According to that, at the end of this episode, R2 and 3PO join the ship, which they don't. He must have missed the last scene. Yeah, I, <laughs> right. I, yeah, I, I mean, R, to be fair, R2 was talking about joining the crew and being right, one of right. the guys, but uh, yeah, if, apparently he just stopped watching. If yeah, that's yeah, the yeah, case. yeah, yeah. So, so which, which <laughs> I was concerned because I mean, I know that R2 and 3PO, and I've been sort of telling myself this. Uh, I know that R2 and 3PO are involved in everything in the entire Star Wars universe, and, and that's fine. Like, they're the center, they're sort of the center point that if it's Star Wars, you have to have them uh, closely involved. I just I didn't need them to be part of this crew. We have, we have Chopper to be the droid, and yeah. Yeah, I wasn't actually aware going into this episode that they were going to be here, because I'm not like Kendall, I don't go out and look for this kind of stuff. I'm just, this is all my first reaction watching it. But as soon as I saw R2 and C-3PO, I went, oh crap. Right. Here right. we go again. Right, right, right. You're panicking. I, I don't want to see another just adventure of R2 and 3PO. We, we've seen that before. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm tired of it. And it generally comes off as a little bit childish just because you you can't go too in depth with those characters. Right. The, the camaraderie between the two is so you know humorous in itself. Although that said, I was completely thrilled that C three PO botched everything. <laughs> he, he completely <laughs> he derailed the, the plan. My my thing. My thing is though. Like, I mean, I know he's he's clueless, and I and I do like the I do like the dynamic of a clueless C three PO and an R two D two who knows everything that's going on. Um, my my issue is I feel like I feel like calling in the Empire. I I kind of feel like C three PO would know that he hasn't that he's not actively working for the Empire. The fact that he called in the Empire and said we've been kidnapped to come you know come rescue us. I mean I mean that's true, but at the same time C three PO lacks completely all subtlety. And if you tell him that he's not supposed to like the empire and then send you to him to wipe the to uh translate for the empire he's going to get nervous mm-hmm. because alone amongst all the droids of star wars c3po gets nervous i think there might have been a pit droid that spot screwed up once yeah but i don't know the battle droids get nervous too ah oh, battle droids yeah i don't want to talk about battle droids i feel like i think i think that uh a lot of the droids in Star Wars have that have that sort of 
yeah, that like nervousness and the R two is doesn't get nervous because they have they have a uh, they have personalities, but they don't. Well, yeah, but R two is a brave little droid. Yeah, I, Queen Amidala said it herself. True. Droids have personalities, and a lot of times they're weak personalities. That's what I've always said. Like they can't like they they can't necessarily think critically. Um, and yeah, yeah, I agree. C three PO probably lacks a lot of subtlety, and he's a he's a protocol droid, so he's going to. Um, you know, do a job. He has a specific job to do. Right, and his job is to be as accommodating and informative as possible, mm-hmm. which is not what you'd really want a spy to be. And probably, and and you know, probably he's he's there. I just this sort of just occurred to me. He's there, and it's like okay, he's doing the actual job that like makes sense. You know, he's translating. That's a clear job. And and then he comes along, and then he comes with this other droid that flies X wings. You know, but it's not. A, but but you know, so so R 2s job is is obviously the more spyish stuff, right? Which that was probably the only point that sort of jarred me out of it. Uh, how R two and C three PO sort of associated themselves with the Imperials? Why did they have a an astromech droid following its, the translator droid? I don't quite. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like the translator droid's like a distraction. No, like, I understand why the rebels deal, would yeah. want that. I don't understand why the Imperials would allow. It's a it's this a package droid. deal. They 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 uh they rented they rented a C three they rented a three PO. You know they rented a translator and Astromech comes with it for uh you know a, a computer stuff. Uh, hmm. Opening doors. I don't know. It just seems like the Empire's cheap enough to buy crappy body armor and really like limit the amount their starfighters can fight. I don't know if they're really into buying extra droids. Except for except for this is uh this is somebody that's accompanying like a like a ro- like a what appeared to be like a almost like a a noble type person. So she that's would true. she would spare no expense. <laughs> um yeah, and I mean and I mean yeah, it, you, I would say I could I could definitely see having an astromech droid. I mean, we didn't necessarily see what they did before they got on um, right. the Star Tours ship. Um, which, by the way, I wanted to bring that up. That's totally the ship from Star Tours, which is awesome. I think that ride's still there. I've heard. I've well, heard rumors that they're building an entire theme park. No, well, for Star Wars. But. Yeah. The what happened with the Star Tour, The old Star Tours ride is not there anymore. Oh really? Yeah, um it's it, there's a new one. I haven't I haven't been there recently, but there's a there is a new one. Um yeah. I I mean I haven't been on it, but I've I've heard things. But yeah, so the old one doesn't and actually like the droid that was the pilot is you see him in line and he's like decommissioned. Yeah. Cuz he's like faulty or something. Uh but uh yeah, it was it was kind of cool to see to see that because it makes sense that they're on like a you know like a just a transport ship and it would be the one from. And I liked the I liked the whole thing going into it where you know you see them get on the ship and they're acting like they don't know each other. Oh yeah, and yeah, that's yeah. the whole plan was to get the droids away so she could tra- so so Sabine, Sabine, could, and Sabine could, could translate could, uh, translate and find the dock number. I I like I like. That Sabine knows a couple different languages, and so does Zeb. Clearly, right. That, you don't just have one character who's the go-to for all the languages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Each and, have their own specialities. 
Yeah, yeah. It it's it's kind of it's kind of cool. It, it's it's just kind of cool that that, and it makes sense that people who are traveling all over the galaxy uh, would would uh, would you know know more than one language. Which kind of comes back to my favorite one of my favorite lines early on is of course from Zeb, where he doesn't know what the droid's talking about, and he asks Hera what what's going on, and Hera says something that is definitely not. What uh, Chopper said. <laughs> and, and Zeb calls her on it, but nobody cares. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Um, so I want to bring up... So Zeb, we find out that his, basically his planet was the victim of uh, genocide from these Ioni weapons. Right, the, the T-7s disruptors. or something like yeah, that. Yeah, the disruptors. Which... um. I don't know. Like, I mean, it happened. So, so here's here's my kind of continuity issue with that. So, those disruptors were being were to be prototypes, so that the Empire could mass produce them. How did they use the disruptors to kill all of Zeb's people if right. they couldn't mass produce? The only thing I could think them. of is that they had been modified in some significant way, oh, okay. or that when they were made illegal. They were all gathered up and destroyed, and maybe that was the last batch that was left, so they have to reproduce it. It's a nice thought, but I don't believe that the Empire destroys its weapons generally. Even if they, and even if they did, you, why would you need the? Why would you need the prototypes to reverse engineer them? That it seems right. maybe the plans were destroyed. Although to be fair, they were bought from a non-imperial source. They were bought from the Aquilish. Yeah. So it could be that the Aqualish developed the designs and don't want to share it, but they pro- or maybe they've provided these for testing mm. to try to convince the Empire that these are worthy weapons of adding yeah. to their arsenal. I suppose. I suppose it just seemed a little just seemed a little weird. Right. Um. And then and then we find out and then we find out, of course, that uh, that the Imperial agent that we've been following is the guy that gave the order to kill all of Zeb's people. What's what's the Zeb's alien race name again? Um, hairless Wookies. I want to say Antari, but I'm not entirely sure that's right. It starts with an L. It could be. But I like how he had a sa- the same weapon that the ro- the guard has, and that we had our lightsaber duel without lightsabers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a really cool fight. I liked. I liked the. Uh... I liked the speed of the fight. That was, I think, one of the coolest things because it was just like they were just they were boom, 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 boom. They were not like it was. There was no uh, like, I guess, like class or something. Like you know, it wasn't on guard. Right. It was not a dainty duel. It was a brutal clash of warriors who were mostly interested in just beating the snot out of each other. It wasn't going to be decided by a single hit, but it. it but then it also does a turn face to where we see early in the episode Zeb and Ezra, you know, they're bunking together and they're having yeah. Why 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 heads. did Zeb and why did they put Zeb and Ezra like why why did they make them roommates? I I don't <laughs> probably just because of how hilarious it would be. <laughs> just because Kanan, I guess that is like sort of in Kanan's sense of humor. And He's kind of and then after we see all this, you know, Ezra uses the force. Right, yeah, yeah. He what does he do? He like throws 
classic Jedi move, force push. Yeah, he, he does the old the old force push. I, Zeb is a is a Lazat from Lasan. Oh right, yes. And he was born in the year three thousand two hundred thirty three. Ly is did they Lasat years? Lothal year. Dating, a dating system used on the planet of local. Oh, good! Yet another Star Wars uh, date that we have to. Remember. We don't have. We have no frame of reference no, for what yeah. this date is. Yeah, aside, yeah, that's that's interesting. Aside from if they ever date anything present for the Rebels show, because we already did in the last episode. We kind of figured out where we stood. Right, right, right. So it's yeah, we're basically five years before a New Hope. Um, but uh, yeah, right, and. Anyway, back to the the Zeb duel. I was surprised that Callus could keep up with him because Zeb just rips stormtroopers apart with his bare hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Callus is an imperial agent. There's there's more to like. Callus isn't just an imperial officer. He's an imperial agent. He has more training like, than the standard stormtrooper. I mean, that's what that's what they called Mara Jade. I mean, that is true. It's not, not to say that he necessarily has I, force I, powers, but... I could have understood that if maybe he his fighting style was a little more uh, dancey and dodging Zeb's attacks, but he went straight on against him, mm-hmm. matching him blow for blow. Maybe he has, like, a personal vendetta against the because if he's the one that gave the order, maybe there's well, something underlying that we don't know yet. I mean, you can have a personal vendetta all you want. You stand in front of a train, it's still going to hurt you. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, and also, but also, um, Zeb's, I mean, he's a, he said something about being a part of the honor guard. That is true. Um, so, so Zeb's just, Zeb's like part of the honor guard of this planet that got defeated by Imperials. Right. And Callus mentions and, that he single-handedly defeated another one. Right, right, right. Yeah. So he, that's it, how he got the It's understandable. I'm just very surprised. I'm not surprised. I mean, to me, to me, when I hear Imperial agent, that's like... I mean that's that's the it's James Bond you know it's it's James Bond or Mara I mean Mara Jade was an Imperial agent and Mara Jade was badass you know I mean she obviously had the force and we don't know I mean he doesn't necessarily have like overt force abilities but he probably has all kinds of crazy training like right this is a there's probably you know there's only he's only like the third Imperial agent that like has existed right and perhaps we'll find we, out maybe you know, he has some of. other trip. Right. tricks that we haven't quite figured out like some sort of strength reinforcement or mm-hmm. something like that yeah yeah or maybe he he is maybe he is slightly force gifted and that's why he was picked yeah, yeah. out and and zeb i mean the other thing is we don't know if zeb actually has like super like like if he's like a wookie or if he's just really he's good just, at picking just, up stormtroopers and throwing them. yeah yeah or if he's just i mean because if he's just kind of a beat like if he's just like a beefy human then probably another beefy human could right could fight him yeah and it is a cartoon, so people get thrown around a little bit more than. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know, I don't know. Hey, hey, and uh, you know, um, what's the what's the imperial agent's name? Callus, Callus. Uh, you know, Callus also, um, you know, he's also known for throwing at least one imper- one stormtrooper. It's Barker Rebellion. Did he kill any of his <laughs> friends this time? I don't think he did. I don't think so. Although I really, really liked, I really liked that. All of the stormtroopers got killed, and the two ATST precursor things uh, got killed, and he was still around. Right. At least he had a ride out. They didn't blow up the ship that he rode in on. Right, right, right. Well, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. 
Yeah, you know, but uh, but it was it was very it was very it was very reminiscent of a New Hope, like when when Darth Vader's just all alone in his little Tie Fighter in the right, and and the Death Stars didn't even really bit. phase him significantly. He's just like, well, not sure they're all dead, but I'm a badass, so right, I'm, right, I'm okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So, uh, let's see. Any other? Were there any other key scenes? I mean, we talked a little bit about. Uh, I'm I'm really really glad that they they introduced Bail Organa. I did not expect to see Bail Organa this soon, um, and uh, and that that ending scene that just to me that just was like so this is how they could this is one way that they could go from being just a just a you know five or what six people on a on a ship fighting randomly fighting the Imperials to to really. You know, being something to be a force to be reckoned with. Right. The only two points left with this episode I have are one, basically, the rebels do not have very good operational security. They're all they they started calling themselves by numbers, and then Zeb's like, "Hey, Kanan, what's up?" <laughs> right in front of the droid. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, they're not great at this yet, but they're learning. Yeah, which I don't think they necessarily have like. <laughs> That's not necessarily there to me. Like when they, when he started calling about the numbers, I wondered. I almost wondered if that was like just literally Kanan was just on at in that moment improvising and calling people by numbers because he even like sort of looked and he was like, "You're what? What did he call him? What was the name of this? The it was like something five and something right. three. It's the same thing they've been using. I can't remember off the top of my head what it was. It was. Do you know Dwight? I'm going to say Tachyon, but I don't think that's right. No. It was like Phantom or something like that. Probably something reminiscent of the Ghost. Spectre. There we Spectre. go. Spectre. Yeah. Spectre 6, Spectre 3. So 6 was Sabine and 3 was Ezra. Yeah. But, and the other thing that I wanted to mention was, the Deveronian has screwed them again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's In an ongoing tale of... They're never going to get paid, which is which is what happens in these kind. Of, which is the 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 comparison to Firefly again. You know, they never get paid in Firefly until they find a nice guy, and that's what happened in this. They never get paid until. They, um, and same thing with uh, Cowboy Bebop uh, is also kind of reminiscent of, um, which both of those shows are awesome. Yeah. So, I really think I really think the ghost, remind like the ship itself and the way that it takes off and it. And they're always jumping into it as it's taking off. Is just really, really, really reminiscent of Firefly, which, which I'm okay with. And, it, and it's kind of funny because Firefly was trying to look like Star Wars, right? And now Star Wars is trying to look like Firefly. And the layout of the ship itself is slightly similar. We haven't. There's the the bunking area, and then there's the the smaller cargo area that's very vertical because it has the differently tiered levels, which comes into play a lot in both Firefly and. Uh, the show but so far. I see that it's a two, like at least a two or three level ship, because you know the the gunner pilot the area is yeah. higher, and then I think that second level might go to the bunking area. Well, right. we'll just have to. I'll just have to buy the Lego set, and then we'll know for sure. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, we'll figure it out then. Um, but uh, but I, I mean I like this. It's really it's really interesting because like even the boring ships are there's like an attention to detail in the show. So it's like, even the boring ships look cool. like, I think the ghost, like when I just saw like concept art and stuff of it, I didn't really like it, but they've, but what they've done with it, I, I really am liking it. And like the, the, the little transports, 
I mean, they it, they could have just you done like little uh, like a little boxy ship. Like that's probably what they would have done in Clone Wars is is done like a done like a little boxy ship. But the fact that they were that it was pretty clearly similar to Star Tours, right? And I liked that they didn't just uh, crap out and use a, some form of old Lambda shuttle. Which are the, this is the shuttle that you see in Return of the Jedi that the Imperials right, right. use. So they didn't just use an existing design that everybody could recognize and go, oh, that's Star Wars. They went, hmm, what is very Star Wars, but almost no one will recognize? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that almost no one. Because Star Tours is, there's a certain, there's certain groups of Star Wars fans that, that, that is a very, very important, like that is almost as that is it's like you go movies then or you go original trilogy then holiday special then uh uh-huh. action figures then star tours and that's all they care about holiday special yeah cuz it happened before you know it happened in it's it's the generation that's older than us so oh. it happened like in as part of their childhood i i suppose i mean i i co- kind of recognize the droid but until you really mentioned it, I didn't recognize the outside of the Star Tours ship because, I don't know, I just, right, right, it yeah, didn't I, click with me. I, so. We haven't been on the Star Tours ride since high school. I might have been. You? Oh, you might have been? I might have been. I don't remember what it looks like from the outside, but I might have been. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but still, I mean, it's, you know, it's been, it's been some time. Uh, uh, but yeah, um... Uh, so, um, okay, cool. Any, any final thoughts about the episode, Dwight? I mean, this just creates my excitement for the rest of the season. I want to see where they go with this. And like you said, this is the beginning of the Rebel Alliance. We can mm-hmm. see it developing before our eyes. And it's just, it's nice to see characters that we recognize. Like, I saw that ship and I was like, that's Alderanian, you know? Right, the, yeah, the Corellian Corvette. Yep. Or blockade runner, or whatever you want to call it. That was probably, honestly, the Tantive Four. What was it? Probably, actually, it probably was the ship that looks like the Tantive Four. That's at the end of Episode Three, whatever it's called. It's actually a different ship. Oh, or at least it was the Tantive One. No, it, probably not. No, 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 because that was in Clone Wars. It was in Clone Wars, and it's a different. Okay, it's a completely different name of a ship. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but it might have been. It might have been the Tantive Four. Because he got a new ship that was identical at some point. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> or maybe they just have a whole bunch of them. Actually, actually, I would say it probably was the Tantive Four because this is five years before A New Hope. And it looked really new. Yeah. And the Tantive Four looked kind of beat up by the, by the time it's been a, while a New Hope happened. That, yeah. so, so it probably would be... So, so yeah, it looked... Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. It's been a while since Episode 3 and it looked, and it looked shiny and new. And then, so then maybe five years later, it looks a little bit beat up. And then, of course, Bail Organa yeah. gets a new one, but his daughter gets sent off with the old one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like the family car. Right. <laughs> but I always like that ship, and I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing more of them. Right. And I, I think it's worth mentioning that it's nice that they... I wasn't expecting them to get this out of the way so early, but it's nice that they have because now the obvious connection that we could all foresee episodes in the future is gone. And we have no idea really where they're going with it at this point. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I really, I really like that. I also, I got to say, I liked that the Tantive, the, the Tantive 4, I'm going to say it's the Tantive 4 because I agree. Um, 
I like that it really, really looked like it did, like the ship at the end of episode three. Um, so that sort because I feel like some of the designs at the end of episode three, like they, they looked like the original trilogy. If the people that did the prequels did it, if that makes sense, like, like it all looked real shiny and it kind of, so it kind of looked, it didn't look like at the end of episode three, it didn't look like it didn't look the same as the ships in a new hope. And I like that this sort of is a little bit closer to a new hope. And, and some of the ships still look like they did at the end of episode three. It's kind of like, it's kind of like when over the course of the prequels, they went from being all weight, you know, the Naboo starfighter to the Jedi starfighter to the whatever. Right. We, we, we see a definite shift from sleek form to just function. Right. Right. Of, of your warships. And, and, so, and I feel like, I feel like these, some of the stuff in this series and probably because it's Ralph McQuarrie looking stuff, uh, it, it still has a little bit of that sleekness, but it also looks like stuff from the original trilogy. Right. And yeah, I'm really happy. I, this episode could have been, and this episode, a lot happened first of all. Um, but still the, I thought the pacing was good. Like I didn't feel ADD or rushed or anything. Um, it just, they just don't, you know, they just don't mess around. I don't know what it is. Like I'd have to really pay attention. I don't know if it's because they don't, show you know like like law and order has so many had so many scenes because they never showed them traveling and a lot of times in firefly they would like skip the fight like they would lead up and then it would be like okay we won the fight now you know so like shows will do that to be able to incorporate more story i, I don't know if there's anything specific that uh that this show's doing Right, um, and we'll really need to see more episodes before we can determine if this is just an a dense episode or if they're going to do this all the time yeah. And, and yeah, and I just I just really felt like I I really I really was happy with this. Now, um, a couple of a couple of announcements or things. Uh, last so last uh, weekend was New York Comic Con, and uh, Marvel announced at at one of their panels that there is going to be a comic called Canaan, uh, the Last Padawan, that will. Um, Sounded like it would it would be telling the story of like his when he was actually a Padawan working with Deepa Balaba and then in and then sort of the Order sixty six and and after that how he survived Order sixty six and stuff, uh, which I'm really excited about. Uh, didn't see if they I don't, I don't think they announced a creative team for it yet. Uh, I'm very excited, especially because it's like it's still like building off of that uh, that like because like the last samurai is a thing, right? Like you talk about the last, yes. uh, so he's the last Padawan, you know, he's the last of the Jedi. He's, he, it's that, that samurai thing with him that I really like. Um, yeah. So I'm, so I'm really, I'm, I'm excited about the comic. Um, I'll read it. I'll keep, I'll keep you guys updated. I'll make it. you a deal, Kendall. Yeah. I'll actually read it. Okay. I will read this comic book. <laughs> And that's it. I'll, okay, I'll, I'll okay. do it. Okay. I, cool. I, I don't usually do this kind of thing, listeners, but for this, for you, <laughs> I'll do this. Hopefully it's, hopefully it's good. Cause the other, uh, all the other star Wars comics that have been announced, it's been top tier creators. Um, Mark Wade's going to write the princess Leia book, which is crazy. Cause he writes lots of good stuff. Jason Aaron, who's like one of the biggest names in comics period right now is going to be writing the star Wars ongoing. And then the guy that just finished up a run on Iron Man is going to write the uh, the Darth Vader book. 
Uh, so, so it's like they're not they're not just throwing. This isn't just going to be a licensed property where they just throw whoever on. Uh, I'm I'm excited about that Marvel, and then also uh, we've got uh, coming up on October 26th. Uh, they're going to air Spark of Rebellion on uh, ABC with a special appearance uh, or a special added scene uh, with that feature will feature the Inquisitor and Darth Vader, voiced by none other than James Earl Jones. Who else could voice Darth Vader anyway? I don't think I because I don't because obviously he didn't show up in Clone Wars so right I'm sure other people have is. voiced him in video games and stuff like that but as far as the the main stuff goes he's it was he did he do Robot Chicken I don't know because uh, Robot Chicken Star Wars twenty seconds <laughs> yeah um, but and then also the other thing I wanted to just just sort of bring up. Uh, that makes me think that this series is going to continue and, and and sort of continue to be as, as as high quality as it is, and not necessarily pandering to to small children. Um, is it's on Monday nights at nine, which is a little bit a little bit of a weird time for like a for like a featured kids show. So. No, James Earl Jones did not do the voice of Darth Vader <laughs> in Robot Chicken. <laughs> I mean, it's not that surprising, but no. Well, because Mark, I, I know that Mark Hamill did the voice of Luke in that scene. And of, yeah, and of course, so. Lando is voiced always by Billy D. Williams yeah. because Billy D. Williams <laughs> always makes time that. for Lando. So, so, so you said, so before we, uh, so speaking of that, uh, wh- where, what, what else have they done? Uh, <laughs> uh, we did about Anthony talked, Daniels. Yeah, Anthony Daniels. Uh, C3PO. All right, Dwight. Do you do you know anything else that Anthony Daniels has been in besides Star Wars? No, I mean I've seen pictures of him outside of the the costume, but you know, besides <laughs> that and the voices on the video games and cartoons, that's all I've seen of him. And I know that he made a cameo in Star Wars Episode Two as Nazi three PO, but uh, yeah, I don't, I don't. I I would say I would say he's probably done some some additional uh, voiceover work, but I don't I don't think there's any I don't think there's any like iconic, you know, like Mark Hamill's Joker or anything like that. No, it, I'm looking at his IMDb here, and it's it's really not. He's he's done a lot of TV miniseries, but probably about two thirds of his voice credits are definitely as C3PO, and probably about half of those are. Some form of Lego Star Wars. <laughs> Lots of Lego Star Wars. Did he play? Did he play um, Lindo three PO? C three PO's father. <laughs> Wait, what? Because because uh, Billy D Williams was was Lindo Calrissian, Calrissian in the Yoda Chronicles. That was a joke. I have we, no idea. I I made that joke last week or last episode. Obviously, it wasn't that memorable. <laughs> I do not recall, and I have no recollection of uh, what you're talking about. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, until next time, keep rebelling. You don't need a cause. <laughs>